Hi everybody, welcome to the Holland Highway. I hope you have a very good time. The hell was that voice? Ew. It's like Rain Man swallowed Tweety Bird. Uh, hey, it's Harlan Williams. Welcome to the Harland Highway, as that freaky voice just uh, said. Uh, what a show we have for you today. Oh my God, or OMG, as the uh, texters say. Uh, we are, uh, we have a crazy news story, man. Oh my God. This one's going to turn your stomach. This one is going to shake the foundations of your trust in your fellow human beings and turn your stomach. Ugh. Also, uh, I'm going to tell you about a great documentary I saw. We're going to open the show with that. I went to a fabulous documentary, uh, about something that was uh, big and magnificent and changed the world. And uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you all about it and, and try to convince you to go see this amazing documentary. And then at the tail end of the show, what a treat. We have the second human being to ever land on the moon, Buzz Aldrin. Astronaut Buzz Aldrin is going to call the show and talks to us about uh, his experiences on the moon. You're not going to get that in any other podcast. But that's because this is the one and only Harland Highway. How do you know my name? It's on the marriage certificate. I've never seen you before in all my life. Hold on to your airbag. The heartless... Heartless monsters, all of you, through and through. You're riding down the Harland Highway. Oh, yeah! When you see a fallen star, that means a witch has just died. You clumsy idiot. The Harland Highway. All I want is to hear people say something again and to see people moving again. I'm Floyd Bernie, a rockabilly boy. Don't you understand? You're listening to Harlan Williams. I can't be your daughter. I'm a machine. Man, you've been dead a thousand years. My George, I think he's got it. You're riding down the Harland Highway with Harlan Williams. What's up, Doc? Mister, if you don't lose, you're gonna lose right now. Don't leave me here. Oh, don't leave me here. And when you say don't leave me here, uh, do you mean planet Earth? Right? How's that for a for a leading question on the old Harland Highway, huh? Yeah, here's here's why I say it, gang. Is uh so last night I'm sitting around and I'm writing, I'm you know, writing away on a script. And I'm getting cabin fever, right? I've been writing a lot lately. I've been turning in some movie scripts and I'm, you know, doing this and doing that. And, uh, and I'm just antsy and I want to get out. I want to get my mind off of things. So I'm thinking I'll go get some Chick-fil-A. But then, you know, just, you know, every Friday new movies come out. And so I thought I'll just see what's out. And sure enough, like right down the street... There's a documentary uh, about a, Apollo 11, and it's only like an hour and a half long, right? So I'm like, okay, that won't take up my whole night. I'll go get some Chick-fil-A. I'll dip in and see the movie and then get back to my writing, right? So little, little, little uh, you know, distraction for my mind, you know? 
And so, uh, you know, I've always been fascinated with the, uh, the Apollo 11, the, the, not just the 11, but the whole space program is fascinating to me. So I go see this documentary. It was put together, funded by CNN uh, Documentary Films. Um, and, uh, oh, my God, please, please, I urge you all to go and see this movie. Oh, my God. It's called Apollo 11, and it's basically, it's documentary footage, real footage of the first uh, landing on the moon by any human being ever in the history of the world. I mean, think about it. That is such, a, a, such an astronomical thing to say. It, it, it's, it's the footage, the film and video footage of a human being, three of them actually, leaving our planet for the first time ever and going up to step on another uh, entity, another another solid surface, if you will. I, I don't believe the moon is considered a planet. It's a moon. It's not, a, it's not technically a planet. Uh, and maybe it was at one time. Maybe it's a dead planet. Maybe it's just a giant asteroid. But whatever it is, I don't know the history of the moon. Excuse me. Um, I'm just a podcaster, man. I don't know these things. Uh, but but the concept of, of human beings traveling like 200,000 miles or 300,000 miles or whatever it is, and making it successfully and landing on this this little dot out in the vast endless galaxy that has no ending as far as we know i mean are you kidding me i mean it's just it 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 blows your mind and this is such a riveting documentary i urge you to go see it in the theater because it's it's such a big spectacle it's outer space it's when you see the rocket ships taking off and, and the, 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 the jets igniting and the fire and the explosions coming out and just to see the, uh, the astronauts, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin and the other guy, I, I think his name's Taylor maybe, I forget his name, or Anderson. Um, there was three of them that went and uh, two of them actually landed on the moon on half of the spacecraft and stepped on the moon while the third astronaut... Uh, went around the moon over and over waiting for them to finish and then he had to pick them up once they finished their their lunar uh, mission. And that's something I didn't really realize. I thought all three of the astronauts landed on the moon on a rocket ship and then they lifted off when they were done. But what happened is the rocket ship that went to the moon was in two pieces and half of it disengaged from one half, landed on the moon with Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong, while the other one circumnavigated the moon, I think about 42 times, and waited for them. And then once they were done, they got back in their rocket ship or spacecraft, and they blasted off back into the moon's atmosphere or gravity, and they docked with the other piece of the spaceship that that was circling the moon it's absolutely stunning like they had to they had to dock the the nose of their spaceship into a hole about the size of like you know like a wishing well like a not a great big hole like probably a hole like five or six feet wide 
They had to connect. It's almost like picture yourself plugging a plug into a wall socket. They, they had to plug back in together. Here they are, 300,000 miles from Earth. You can see Earth way in the distance. You know how when we're on Earth and we see the moon up in the sky? Well, that's where these guys were. These guys were at the moon, and you could see the Earth in the background. And so in the vastness of space, these guys, in order to live, in order to get back home, this five-foot-wide circle had to connect with the nose of the, of the spaceship that lifted off of planet Earth, uh, uh, off of the moon, sorry. And, uh, oh, my God, it's just so riveting. It's amazing. But beyond, beyond, beyond the actual feat of, of getting to the moon... What really, I mean, it's mind-blowing when you watch it. You go, why wasn't this documentary made like 30, 40 years ago? I think people forget what a feat that was. And back then, the technology was really kind of basic computers and, and radios and, and cameras. And like a lot of that stuff was really basic. Think about it. This, this happened in the 60s, okay? The 1960s. And now they say that our cell phones have like quadrillionth the, the technology of all the technology that went into the space program, like into the rocket ships and the command centers. They say our simple cell phones have way more technology than, than that stuff. And yet these guys went to the moon on this kind of early pioneering technology, computers and radar and who knows what else. And you go, how did they make it? And then when you look at the, the way the, the rocket ship was built, you can see the welding. You can see the bolts. You can see that you're like, this thing's almost like, like a tin can. It's like, it's like kids put it together almost. It's not that bad, but it, you just go, wow. And then literally, what's amazing about the documentary, literally like four hours before they were lifting off to go to the moon, the astronauts were loaded into the spacecraft and there was a loose hose or a, a some kind of uh, widget was loose on the bottom of the rocket ship and there's like three guys down there with a wrench tightening bolts. And you're like, what the? Like if there's anything loose on a rocket ship these days, they scrub the mission. They abort, man. If there's any little leak or any, but these guys, yeah, we got a leak on pipe number 53. Go on down there with the wrench and tighten it up there, uh, Houston. It's just like, you're like, what? And these guys pulled it off. I don't want to give away the whole movie. I mean, you know the ending, of course, but I don't want to tell you every little detail because it'll spoil it for you, but you got to go see it. And there are some things that, that really blew my mind about it. One of them was... You know, the, the enormity of this mission to, to get to the moon, to successfully get to the moon and know, know the math and the science and the, and the physics and all this stuff, it, the, the aeronautics. The, I mean, it's just, it's just all the pieces that come together to make this improbable event happen at all, let alone successfully, is just a mind-blower, right? And... Um, and so that was one aspect of the movie that I won't go on about because I want you to go see it. Um, but was, was really two other things really stuck out in my mind. One was when you look at the archival footage from the 60s. And remember, I'm Canadian, man, okay? But what I watched 
in that footage that moved me so much. And, you know, I'm an American now. I, I, I've since, uh, you know, become a citizen. So I'm an American now, too. But most of my life I was Canadian, and I'm still Canadian, but I'm American, too. But one of the things you'll see in the, in the footage that really is, is amazing, it's wonderful, but at the same time it's sad, is you see a country of people, American people, together unified, happy, as a cohesive working unit, patriotic, proud, happy, engaged, interested, invested in their country. And you see people waving American flags and you see people cheering and you see people collectively as one country being American and coming together as Americans and being American. And yes, there was there was things going on in, in the world that weren't good, like Vietnam and, and the civil rights movement and, and uh, you know, Ted Kennedy uh, with that whole thing where he, he killed the girl when he drove his car off the bridge drunk. And so there was the bad things, but you saw this, this event that really showed off Americans being together and being as one and being proud and raising their their national unity up into the air and waving the flag. And when, and when the astronauts planted the American flag on the moon, oh my God, it's just so moving and, and, and warming and fulfilling. And in contrast to today, where, you know, you have, you have people kneeling for the, you know, kneeling during the national anthem and disrespecting the flag. And, and I'm not saying that their, their causes aren't worthy or whatever. I'm not getting into the politics of that. I'm just talking about how there's so much division now, you know, and, and it's just sad to think that there's people that don't respect the flag and people that that protest the flag and people around the world that will burn the flag and even people in America that will burn the flag and and people in America that think if you embrace the flag nowadays there's even hints that you could be a racist if you like the American flag or if you if you talk too proudly about America you're a racist or you're you're something it's just it's so disheartening to see that you know the country was was once so so kind of wholesome and and kind of proud and and unified and now it just seems every time you turn on the news whether it's fox or cnn or msnbc there's somebody disparaging the flag or somebody's not happy with the flag or somebody's pissed off at america or you know it's not american to do this or say that like nobody knows how to be american anymore you know what i mean everyone's so scared Everyone's so scared to say anything. Every, everyone's so scared to have an opinion. Everybody's so scared to do anything. Everyone's so eager to label you. Everything's so un-American no matter what you do. You know, certain certain people aren't, aren't allowed to wear certain clothing or they're not American. Certain people can't say things or do things. And, and uh, you know, I'm not talking about uh, Trumpers. I'm talking about everyone. You know? It's just, it's just become, I don't know, it's just become really uh, divided and really sort of angry. 
and I, I suggest no matter what what you know what your leanings are politically or societally or whatever whatever leanings you have. I hope you'll go to this movie and not just see the the uh, the accomplishment of getting to the moon, but also get a, a glimpse into the past of when the United States, just at least on its surface, had the appearance of being uh, much more just wholesome and together. You know, even though yes, there was things going on in the background, but um, I don't know. It was just so nice to see. And uh, a few other observations. Uh, interestingly enough, in the movie. Uh, you rarely saw an overweight person. Remember, this was filmed in the 60s. Keep your eye out for that when you're watching the movie. You'll be hard-pressed to see not only someone overweight, you know, like obese, but even someone like mildly overweight. Almost all the people in the movie are thin and healthy-looking and and they have the proper uh, dimensions and... You know, there's a few people, but overall, if you look at the, you don't see obese children, you don't see obese adults. I mean, everybody just kind of looks really overall healthy. And you go, this was before all the junk food and the candy and the crap. You know, this was before all the the the, uh, the uh, junk food places on every corner. And you just go, wow, look look at that, you know. And everyone just kind of looked a lot more, um, a lot more like I don't know, like well dressed, and and you didn't get the sense that people were crazy and nuts and self involved and you know what I mean. It it just it seemed like there was a unity to everything, you know. Um, now another observation I saw in in the film, and this was probably just because of the times, you know. This was this was you know. Very, this was well, uh, you know, um, well, equal rights were going on for, for black people and minorities in the country. So you'll notice in the movie, there's you hardly see any uh, African-American or Latino or Asian people. It's very strange. It's very strange. It's, it's mostly white people and mostly men, um, which is, it's very odd to see because that's not representative of, of how America looks these days. But, and I don't just mean at NASA where, where they're doing all the work. There's a lot of footage of, of citizens like camping and watching the liftoff and, and big groups of people at the edge of the, edge of the ocean watch, waiting for the rocket to lift off. And you, and you look at that crowd, that landscape of people, and uh, it, it's mostly predominantly white. It's very interesting to see because, you know, you don't see that anymore, you know. And um, the, the comment I'll make about all the people, though, regardless of their race, is there was kind of a uniformity. Like people were, they were well-dressed and they, they were well-groomed and they, 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 they wore like, you know, nice white shirts and black ties and people seemed to, to be well-dressed. And, and for the few ethnic people I did see in the footage... They fit in accordingly, just the same. Like, there's a few uh, African American people, there are a few Asian people, and and everyone, regardless of race or or creed or anything, everyone was kind of dressed the same, and so everyone kind of felt like a group, like blacks, whites, Asians, and it was just needed. It it felt like oh, there's America when when it just felt more wholesome, and everyone 
was kind of together and had respect for each other. And it, it just, I don't know, it felt, this is a weird word to use, but it just felt like plighter. You, you watch the footage and go, look how plight everyone seems. You know, everyone just seems to be fitting in together. You know, the black people, the white people, the the, the, the Asian people. And I don't know if I saw any, Lat- I think there was some Latino people, but it's hard to tell. It was like mostly white. But like I said, regardless of who was there, there was there was like a unity, you know. And uh, if you if you cut to that same picture today, it would be a lot more diverse, which is great. But back then, it was just a, it was just the sign of the times, right? But everyone was uh, kind of acting the same and rejoicing and excited about about this trip to the moon. And uh, and what's really great about it is that. You know, even though the United States were the first ones to get to the moon, and this was a, a you know, a project made possible by the scientific research and the wherewithal and the money of America and its citizens and its students and its scientists and all the rest of it, um, America had the right to boast and America had the right to make claim that we were the first on the moon. But you know what I found really interesting is that that even though it was about America getting to the moon, the astronauts and the, the citizens of America and even the president, who was Richard Nixon at the time, made sure that it wasn't just about the United States. The America America did what it always does and and kind of said, hey, this this is an American ingenuity, but this is something for the world. This is something for the human race. And that includes all people, black, white, Asian, Latino, Norwegian, German, Irish, you know, everybody, everybody. And it just, it really warmed your heart to know that. And I want to play for you a, an incredible phone call. This, this is almost unbelievable. This is another piece of technology that boggles my mind. And it's just one of many you'll see when you watch the movie. While the astronauts were on the moon, okay, and filming, by the way, somehow they were beaming back live TV footage of the landing, which blows my mind. The president of the United States, Richard Nixon, at the time was able to make a phone call to the moon and congratulate the astronauts, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin, for walking on the moon, being the first humans to walk on the moon. Doesn't that blow your mind? He made a phone call to the moon. So I want to play you this phone call because it's fascinating and and it really does play into what I was saying about how this was this was an event that that was uh, you know done by the Americans, but it was really for the whole world. It was for all of mankind. And the beauty of it is, like I said, that that the president and the United States made a point. They went out of their way to say that this is for all of us. And it's just a beautiful phone call, and it, 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 it shows you how something like this can unify all of us and remind us how we're all just one, one group, group of people, regardless of skin color and religion. We're, we're all the same on this little dot called Earth. So without further ado, Raj, play the phone call. This is fascinating. This is Richard Nixon talking live to Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin as they stand on the surface of the moon. Play it, Raj. 
tell you how proud we all are of what you have done. For every American, this has to be the proudest day of our lives. And for people all over the world, I am sure that they too join with Americans in recognizing what an immense feat this is. Because of what you have done, the heavens have become a part of man's world. And as you talk to us from the sea of tranquility, it inspires us to redouble our efforts to bring peace and tranquility to Earth. For one priceless moment in the whole history of man, all the people on this Earth are truly one. One in their pride in what you have done, and one in our prayers that you will return safely to Earth. Thank you, Mr. President. It's a great honor and privilege for us to be here representing not only the United States, but men of peace of all nations, and with interest and a curiosity and, and with a vision for the future. Uh, honor for us to be able to participate here today. And thank you very much, and I look forward, all of us look forward to seeing you on the Hornet on Thursday. Wow. I mean, isn't that amazing? And 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 if you're kind of like intrigued by hearing that and you're you're kind of uh your your interest is is stimulated by my last like, you know, twenty minutes talking about it, go see this movie. I mean, you it's it's absolutely riveting. You will You'll be reminded of the ingenuity of, of Americans and how great the country is. Not that you've forgotten, but you'll see it you'll see it in a fresh new light. It's like a breath of fresh air and you go, Wow, look look what we can do. Look what this country can can do collectively and and uh, you know, in in the long run for the world, for, for mankind. It's just, uh, it's just kind of the the word I use is riveting. You just sit there the whole movie and you're just like, wow. And I think a lot of people forgot this ever happened, or people, you know, some of the younger people might not not even be aware of it, or even if they're aware of it, they must say, oh yeah, they went to the moon, yeah. So like, like you have to remember what a monumental moment this was. Um, and so I won't go on about it more and more cause I don't want to like ruin it for you or, or create too much expectation, but on so many levels, uh, for entertainment, for, for, uh, education, for scientific reasons, for fascination reasons. I mean, there's just so many reasons to go see this movie and, and get immersed in it. And, uh, I'll be interested to see if you, you see things, uh, you know, all the things that I noticed and you'll, you'll see your own things, of course, but there's, there's a lot of really interesting levels to this movie. So go check it out. It's called Apollo 11. Check your local movie theaters. It's a documentary. 
So chances are it won't stay in the theaters very long. That Documentaries don't usually have a long shelf life. So if you can get there this weekend or someone within, within the next you know two, three weeks, I, I have a feeling that's about as long as it'll be out there. And yes, you can see it for free on your television eventually, but I'm telling you, this this footage is so magnificent, and it, it's such a big thing. We're talking about giant 300-foot rockets, and we're talking about blasting off into space and landing on the moon. And, and you see it all, man. You see it from the moment they take off to the moment that the ship's like slowly descending. They're 30 feet, 20 feet, 10 feet. We've just touched down on, pl- on the, you know, it's like, it's just, it, you're just like, wow. And even though you know the outcome of it, you're still just like holding your breath going, whoa. So anyways, check it out. I hope you like it. And uh, and there you go. Uh, let's Let's move on to things here on this planet, shall we, Raj? Today, the United States is engaged in a gigantic effort to send men to the moon. For this effort, Pillsbury has developed many special foods. Here is the first one to be made available to the public, space food sticks. To meet the demands of a long space flight, space food sticks had to be a compact, nutritious, high-energy food. That's why they make the perfect between-meal energy snack. Energy for hard play. Energy for hard work. Lasting energy to feel alive. If that sounds better than some of the things your family fills up on between meals, you should try Space Food Sticks for good nutrition and lasting energy in a chewy, tasty snack food. Chocolate, caramel, and peanut butter. About 44 calories. At your grocer's next to the instant breakfast section. Space Food Sticks, the energy snack from U.S. Aerospace Research and Pillsbury. The Harland Highway. Crazy news story. That's weird. Wow. That's strange stuff. All right. Here we go. Gotta do it. I, I don't know where these people come from, but here's today's crazy news headline. <laughs> you know, it's just so funny. We have the ingenuity and the, and the brilliance to go to the moon, and then people like this show up. Here's the headline. Ready? Tennessee man accused of dipping testicles in customer's salsa. <laughs> so going to the moon and a guy swinging his balls into somebody's salsa. I mean, what? Let's uh, let's uh, let's read this story. A Tennessee man is accused of dipping something other than chips into a customer's salsa. Howard Webb, 31, was with a driver for dinner delivered, a food delivery service, on January 12th when he allegedly put his testicles in an order of salsa that a customer had ordered from a mes- Mexican restaurant in Maryville. Wherever that is. Oh, God. Webb, in a video published by the news station, is seen seemingly putting his testicles in a cup of salsa. Someone else in the vehicle identified as the delivery driver has heard giggling and saying this is what you get when you give an 89-cent tip for almost a 30-minute drive. Quote, oh, it feels good on my testicles, Webb replies. Oh, my God. I got to play this. There's there's a video here. Let me see. Let me see if you can hear it. This is just ridiculous. This is what you get when you give an 
you give an 89 cents tip for an almost 30 minute drive? Uh, <laughs> Oh my god. So let, let me let me explain the video. There's two of them in the car, a guy and a girl. The guy's a white dude sitting in the passenger seat. He opens up a styrofoam, like a small styrofoam uh, container of salsa with a lid on it, a takeout lid. Pulls his shorts open or pulls his pant his his track pants down or whatever and dips his nuts in the salsa and then puts the lid back on. He's like, oh, my God, it feels good on my balls. Good Lord, people. I mean, first of all, salsa's spicy, okay? I think I told you a few podcasts back, like a few months ago, how I accidentally got Ben Gay. You know Ben Gay, the uh, the the penetrating lotion you put on sore muscles. I I told you how I accidentally got some on my little bouncy balls. Yeah, it wasn't fun, man. So I can only imagine what like, you know, some uh, tangy hot sauce, salsa with onions and and uh, jalapeno peppers. What are you nuts, dude? Either you're gonna you're gonna burn your balls forever, or when your kids come out, like they're gonna be wearing sombreros or something. I mean, you're gonna sizzle your sperm, bro. They're gonna they're gonna come out. Who knows how they're gonna come out? But who who does that over over a tip? So let's keep reading here. Dinner was delivered. Uh, the dinner delivered addressed the video on Facebook, writing that the driver Webb was was a rogue independent contractor. So dinner delivered is the name of the food delivery service. Um, I use I use a place called Postmates, and it's interesting because I do think about that sometimes. I go, you know, they're br- they're bringing me a glass of of soda. You know, McDonald's, they, you know, they, they just put it in a cup and they put the plastic lid on it with a straw, right? I mean, it's not a sealed thing like a bottle or a can. So I've often wondered, gee, did, did my driver ever take a sip? Did my driver ever open it and do anything? Could, could my driver put a drop of acid into my, you know, you don't know. You're putting a lot of faith in someone like picking up your food and driving it to your house and delivering it. And it's funny, before I ever saw this story, I thought about that because it's just human nature to sometimes not be trusting of people. And you hear stories like this prior to this one of people doing weird things to food. And now it's like making me even more paranoid to to get food delivered creepy what's even more creepy is they filmed it are they idiots who films themselves dipping their nuts in hot salsa while on a delivery for a food service delivery company maybe this guy should dip his brain in some smarts how about that a big bowl of intelligence how about that idiot Oh, you bend down and dunk your head in a big, fat, overflowing tub of intelligence, stupid. Good God. Uh, Let's keep going. There's more to this story. 
The unidentified food delivery driver engaged in criminal behavior that has resulted in indecent acts performed to customers' orders, as well as unverified claims of inserting poisonous substances inside customers' drinks, the company said. See, there I just talked about that. The drink containers are wide open. And I'm wondering if uh, fast food chains or any restaurant now is going to have to uh, come up with an alternate uh, way to have drinks delivered. Because that's the most susceptible, right? I think that's the one you could tamper with the the most easily. And so for all you uh, entrepreneurs out there, all you inventors, this is from me to you. Maybe you want to invent a tamper-proof fast food cup for soda. Right? So maybe it's a cup that comes pre-sealed. It's an empty cup, a molded plastic or paper cup that comes pre-sealed. And the fast food chain has to insert the liquid through the hole in the top and then seal it somehow. Or maybe the top turns. Like it's kind of like, you know, those uh, tops they have on the top of pill bottles? Right? It's kind of like one of those. It, it has to be, you can tell if it's been tampered with or not, right? So just something there for some of you people that want to make a trillion dollars from me to you. Just, you know, cut me in for 10%. And it's, that, that's your idea right there. I'm telling you, man, in this, in this new world of delivery companies, it, it, you're, you're going you're gonna to sell that product. So just be honest. Make your trillions, but cut me in for 10%. Thank you. Uh, so let's finish this story up here. The delivery service wrote that it reported the driver to law enforcement authorities. Um, apparently, the guy was arrested and charged with adulteration of food, liquids, or pharmaceuticals. Okay, that's a new one to me. I knew people could be adulterers. I didn't know you could be an adulterer to food. Does that does that include like adolescent teenage boys who carve a hole in a watermelon? Or uh, you know, you saw that movie American Pie where the kid uh, put his yee-hee into the uh, warm, freshly baked cherry pie right out of the oven. <laughs> I mean, God, you know, just us humans, man. You know, it's it's almost a miracle we got to the moon. When you think of the dopey shit we do, the dumb things we do, I mean, that's another reason to love that movie because you go, oh my God, for all the ridiculous, stupid things human beings do and are capable of, day in and day out, there's way more of those stories than there are moon stories. Thank God... We have a small group of people that are working on something meaningful and pushing the boundaries of of human existence and forging into the future. It's uh, it's quite amazing. Um, And on that note, you'll see when you go see the movie, Buzz Aldrin actually gives a really cool speech about about human beings, uh, you know, chasing it's 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 wired into our DNA for human beings to be explorers. Uh, I tried to find that clip somewhere on the internet, but I couldn't find it. But when you go see the movie, it's a very moving uh, little um, clip that that uh, Buzz Aldrin actually delivers from inside the Apollo Eleven when they're on their journey to uh, the moon. So 
So anyways, there you go. The yin and the yang. The right ball and the left ball. Going to the moon or pulling down your pants and showing your moon and dipping it in piping hot salsa. What a dipwad. All right, let's move along. What? Someone's calling? Who? Get out. You got to be kidding me. Buzz Aldrin is calling. The second man to ever step on the moon. What the hell? No way, dude. Yes, I want to. Roger's asking me if I want to talk to him in my headpiece here. Yes, we want to talk to Buzz Aldrin. I mean, the the whole front end of the show was about his his journey. Oh my God, this is unbelievable. Yes, put him through right away. Oh my God, let's let's. I'm almost tongue tied. Buzz Aldrin. Must have been listening to the podcast, and he's calling in to talk about what we were talking about, uh, going to the moon. Put him through. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, Hello, uh, Buzz. Are you there? Hello, Mr. Williams. This is Buzz Aldrin. How are you? Oh, my God. Sir, you have no idea how how phenomenal this is to talk to you. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of losing my mind here. Well, just you know, keep it together there, uh, soldier, and uh, we're, we're, we're going to uh, get through this. We're going to talk about it. It was an important mission I was on. Are you kidding me? It was it was monumental, and this, this movie I just recently saw just drove that home to the nth degree. Uh, wow, I almost don't know where to begin. Well, with something of this magnitude, uh, Mr. Williams, it's really uh, it's hard to get your head around. A lot of people can't. And uh, you got to remember that, that we left the earthly plane and ventured off into the magnitude of the cosmos. And we were kind of like a, uh, a needle in a haystack. We were aiming for a small dot in the sky. Uh, who knows if we were going to overshoot it, if we were going to collide with it, uh, whether the, uh, the uh, apparatus would fail. On mid-mission, we just, there were so many unknowns, so many variables to take into account. Uh, It's almost mind-numbing. It it really is, sir. And uh, can I just tell you what an honor it is to have you on on the the podcast? When Roger signaled me you were calling in, I I just about lost my mind. Well, I, you know, it's interesting uh, the reaction I get from from, uh, citizens around the country and I dare say around the world. Uh, uh, It's, I guess, you know, as I hear from from people I meet, it's not every day you meet a man who stepped on the moon. It really, just to talk to a man who stepped on the moon is is freaking me out. It's it's unbelievable. Um, I have so many questions. Well, let's get into it because, uh, you know, I love to talk about this. I love to spread the message. I love to educate people about it because, uh, to me, this wasn't just a, a mission that happened in the 1960s. Uh, an isolated mission. This this was the uh, the stepping stone for uh, the beginning of a great human adventure. Well, yes, as as your as your comrade, uh, you know, Neil Armstrong said, "One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind." <laughs> Sir, Buzz. Yeah. yeah well, well, what was what, what was that last part you said? 
your 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 partner uh, Buzz uh, uh, Neil Armstrong said. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know what he said. Uh, you know, I don't know. We we need to hear you know that old thing over and over again. Um, the the thing where he walked, he he was the first guy to step on the moon. Yeah, you know, Mr. Williams, if we could just. Uh, Stick with the questioning here, and uh, I have a lot of stories to tell. Well, well, why don't we start with that first one, Buzz? Uh, you know, uh, being the second man to step on the moon must have been uh, just invigorating. And well, well why? Okay, okay, uh, yeah, I was the second man to step on the moon. You, you had to, you had to just put that in there, did you? I'm sorry, sir. No, I saw what you did. You just injected that into the into the dialogue there. The second, and I, I noticed you kind of hit it. You hit a little, uh, the second man on the moon. Sure, I picked up on that. Uh, no, 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 no. Well, you were the second, right? You know, you know yeah. Yeah, I was the second man on the moon. What's your point? Uh. No, Buzz, I just meant, I'm just, you know, in the chronological order that thing, things happened, I, uh... Do uh, you have some questions for me here or not? Uh, um, okay, uh, once you were on the, the, uh, the surface of the moon, can you describe how it felt, how the, the texture? I always wondered, what did it feel like underneath your feet? Well, it was it was very uh, sort of uh, dusty and spongy. It was it was like stepping on. I don't know if you've ever seen insulation in an attic. The the pink insulation it was almost like stepping on a on a on a sheet of that. It just kind of squished down and and uh, pliable and very soft. And not not what we expected at all. We thought it would be a, a lot uh, a lot rougher. Wow, and uh, I got I got to say one of the most historical footprints that'll probably uh, be one of the most historical photographs in the entire history of, of humankind is that that footprint, that first footprint of Neil that Neil Armstrong took a picture of of his first step on the lunar surface. All right, so we're jumping right back to Neil Armstrong here, are we? Well, no, I was talking about Neil's footprint. Uh, the first one, on, on meaning what, mine was the second? The, no, Buzz, I, what I meant was... Let me tell you something about Neil Armstrong. I'm sure you're dying to hear about him. Well, actually, it would be... Oh, let me finish. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but Neil Armstrong, okay, uh, the number one... Uh, you know, this doesn't get reported, but I was there. I saw it. Uh, he cut his uh, spacesuit open on a space rock. Wait, what? He's he cut his his suit open. That's right. He cut his suit open and he, he got a laceration on his uh, arm, and uh, he he, uh, he 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 got AIDS. What? P pardon me, sir. Yeah, you heard me. Neil Armstrong contracted AIDS on the moon. What? What? What are you talking about, sir? He he cut his. We don't know what's on the moon, do we? I think that's safe to assume. Nobody knew what was on the moon. Well, no. That's why you guys went. Exactly. So what I'm here to tell you today, and I've never said this before, but your first man on the moon, uh, he got space AIDS. What? What are space AIDS, sir? 
Well, I just uh, did. I just tell you, or did I not just tell you? He cut his goddamn suit open on a on a on a, a rigid edge of a space of a moon rock, and it cut through his suit, and it, it cut into his flesh, and he got uh, he got moon aids. But moon? What he, sir? Uh, if he cut his suit open, wouldn't he like instantly freeze to death? I mean, aren't you in uh, multiple sub-zero temperatures up there in space? Oh, so now you're, you're a, the rocket scientist. I'm the guy that went all the way up there and landed on the moon. Well, well, second. Jesus Christ, I landed. You know, I was only about 30 seconds behind him, okay? Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to keep the record clean here, Buzz. Yeah, well, let me, let me tell you something. Well, we're keeping the record clear, are we now, uh, smart guy? No, I'm just, sir. No, no, no. You, you want to keep you want to keep the records? Well, guess what? Okay, when we got back to planet Earth, and we went in, we had to go into an isolation chamber for 32 days. I, uh, yeah, I'm sure you knew that. Actually, yes. This this was in the documentary. And they ran physical tests on myself and your boy Neil Armstrong and the other guy. Oh wow. And uh, guess who came back with a, 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 an abrupt case of uh, 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 crater herpes? What, what, sir? Yeah, now you heard me. Your, your guy, number, number one, yeah, he uh, walked into a moon crater there and got uh, herpes all over him. What are, did you say crater herpes, sir? Yeah, you heard me. He's got, he got crater herpes. And he got uh, vaginal warts on his legs. What are you saying? Your guy, Mindy, here we go. In your words, number one, right? You said it. I, I did say it. Yeah, you said You made sure you said it, didn't you, smart guy? Sir, I'm just trying to document for history. Oh, history, schmistry. This guy came back crawling with, he had uh, moon aids. He had, uh... Uh, crater herpes, and now he got uh, vaginal warts all over his legs. Uh, from going to the moon? Well, yeah, from going to the moon. You know why? Because that that guy was the first one out, and all the all the uh, infectious diseases that are crawling all over the on the moon. I mean, you, the moon is like a dirty testicle that's been d dipped in uh, chlamydia water. Okay. I mean, it's round, it's uneven, it's bumpy, it's hairless. It's like a giant ball that's been rolling around on a locker room floor, covered with herpes dust and uh, ringworm and uh, chlamydia juice all over this. And guess who walked right into the firestorm? That's right, your guy, number one, Neely Boy Armstrong. Okay, Buzz, I... I wasn't there. You're damn right you weren't there, but guess who was? I was. But, sir, if I could just put the brakes... It, I'm, I'm feeling a little hostility here, a little almost resentment. Oh. Oh, so now you're a psychologist. I get it. What are you, my shrink now? No, but I, it seems like every time I bring up the fact that Neil Armstrong was the first guy onto the moon... You seem to uh, harbor some resentment or some jealousy or something. Oh, yeah, sure. That, 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 let's just all take a breath here. Let, let's just let that soak in. Yeah. So I'm going to be pissed off. Because, 
<laughs> so I'm going to be, you think I'm going to be pissed off because we were the first human beings to ever, ever, ever leave planet Earth. Right? Am, am I right so far? Y yes, sir. And we get all the way up there against all odds, like a trillion to one, like winning the lottery 70 times. Right? Am I, are you with me? Y yes, sir. And we get all the way up there, and the cameras are rolling live, and here we are, we make it. We make it against all probability, we land on this little dot in the universe. Are you still following me, funny guy? Sir, I'm... No, are you still with me? Yes, sir. And here we go. We land. We hit the... Bullseye. We hit the... We never, never should have happened. Okay, we should have shot off into the, we should still be floating into the, into who knows where, right up God's asshole. Sir? And we did it. We landed on this little speck of sand in the sky for all humanity to see, the first human beings ever. And we're stepping out the, uh, the spacecraft. And, and who are they going to remember? Are they going to remember the second guy? Yeah, when you watch the Super Bowl, do you, do you remember the team that lost? Well, the, the, when you watch hockey, do you remember the team that, that, that won the Stanley Cup? Didn't win the Stanley Cup when you watch the Olympics. Does anyone remember who won the silver medal? Now, Buzz, I think... Whoa, let's just... Don't whoa me. So this is Armstrong, right? This Armstrong. He goes down first. And he takes the first step, first man to step off a of planet Earth, and this goddamn guy's gonna be remembered for all eternity. Yes, sir, but you're gonna be re Shut up, I'm not finished. Whoa! Now, okay, so he gets off first, but who came back to Earth virus-free? Your guy, Mr. Number One, Mr. Armstrong, he steps off. Suddenly he's got space aids. Okay, for one, he's got moon aids. Second, he's got uh, crater herpes. And now thirdly, he's got vaginal warts all over his legs. I still don't know how they get up and down his legs, sir. Because you've never been to the moon, tough guy. Funny things happen on the moon. There's no gravity, okay? Well, uh, still, I don't know how vaginal warts get out into space. And I don't know how onion rings go in circles, but they do. Sir? So anyways, this guy comes back. Now let me finish the story. This guy's got gonorrhea, okay? He's got crabs in his pubes, this guy, okay? You're number one. Cra crabs in his pubes? Yeah. Uh, uh, out of space crabs, not the kind you get at, uh, you know, at the nurses' residence out there in Mississauga. What the hell are you talking about? This guy had space, uh, the nightmare space crabs crawling all over his flesh, eating his, uh, eating meat on his pubic hair. What, eating meat? Yeah, he, that's right, you had me eating herpes meat and nibbling on his balls. Out in a spacesuit. That, that's your number one for you. Me, I came back clean. Number two came back clean. Okay, Buzz. Look, I I don't know that we're getting a, a, a constructive conversation here. I'm I'm just I'm feeling like a lot of anger and resentment is pouring out of you 
because you you're pissed about being second. If you like peanut colada, pause. Getting caught in the rain. Hello, Mister. If you like making love Mr. at Aldrin? midnight. Hello. What? Sir, I'm I'm t- trying to talk to you, and you're just singing. Yeah. Sir, is there anything to the term space madness? Did you did any of that occur? Oh, here we go. So now you think I'm crazy because I'm the number two guy. Well, you are rambling, sir. Well, here's a ramble for you. Why don't you go to Uranus? You ever heard of that planet? Yes, sir, Uranus. Why don't you go to Uranus and stick your head right up Uranus? How about that? Sir, I'm just trying to... Fuck you on an Apollo 13 sandwich board, you salami-sucking pig meat farmer. What? Whoa! Roger! What the hell happened there? Here we are having a, a, a nice conversation about a historic moment. And what did I do, man? Wow. Okay, Mom, which hand has the newest idea in douches? Wrong. Two mass and gill vinegar and water douches? Right, new extra cleansing and extra mild. Now we have a choice of mass and gill freshness. What's the difference? New extra cleansing. The only vinegar and water with PuraClean. PuraClean? For effective cleansing. And extra mild. The only douche with no additives. I've always trusted mass and gill. Extra mild for me. I choose extra cleansing. Trust mass and gill, the leader for 73 years. That was just a bizarre interview, Raj. I mean, I, I was so excited, and then he, j- he just got angry every time I brought up Neil Armstrong, the first guy to step on the moon. I guess, you know, look if you look at it from his uh, space boots, I guess there's reason to maybe harbor some jealousy or resentment. I mean, he had a point, like, this was a huge event, and to be the second guy is maybe, maybe it's eating away at him. But regardless, if you're still listening, Mr. Aldrin, we're all extremely proud of you. Being second is is certainly just as historic and valid, and, and we love you, and we honor you, and we cherish you, and my God, sir, no, no reason to be, uh, you know, jaded or spiteful. All right, well, I think we wrapped the show up right there, man. I don't think we can top that level of excitement. Uh, Let's do a few quick announcements. Yours truly will be in uh, San Diego this weekend. Oh, yes, San Diego, California. It's going to be sunny and warm and beautiful. And I'm going to be down there doing my stand-up comedy thing. Yeah, my stand-up comedy thing, player. Um... It's going to be a good time. It's at the uh, American Comedy Co., and we're talking uh, Thursday, March 14th, 15th, and 16th, okay? So that's uh, three nights, 14, 15, 16, and uh, it's going to be a blast, baby. It's going to be a blast. So get your tickets. You can go on harlandwilliams.com and get your tickets. And then the following week, I go to the other coast where it's not so sunny and warm, But I'm going to a place that has the word sun in it. It's called the Mohegan Sun uh, Casino. There's a great comedy club inside called Comics with an X, Comics. And I will be there March 21st through the 23rd. That's uh, Thursday through Saturday. 
March 21st to the 23rd. And uh, it's going to be a blast. So that's over in the uh, Hartford, Connecticut area. If you're over there on the East Coast, come see me live, babies. Come see me live. Swim to daddy tadpole. Swim to daddy. Whatever that means. And uh, and what else? Yeah, you can get your tickets on uh, at harlowilliams.com. Also, while you're there, I, I don't I, I don't normally do this, but I I posted a uh, brand new piece of artwork uh, in the store, and it's a very unusual piece. It's it's fairly large, and uh, it's something you would hang. It's it's a it's a solid piece of artwork, and what it is, it's it's a uh, I went out into the desert and I found a whole bunch of old shotgun shells and I assembled them together on an old piece of plywood and uh, they're in the shape of a gun. So if you're a gun enthusiast or you're a violence enthusiast or you're an art enthusiast, um, there's just one piece that I made and it's uh, it's in my store at harlowilliams.com. It's, uh, it's an original piece. It's like 400 bucks. And uh, we'll ship it out to you uh, very carefully via FedEx right to your front door. And uh, it's a one-of-a-kind piece. It's the only uh, piece like this I've uh, ever done. And uh, whoever wants it, it's there for the purchase. So I just thought I'd mention that, put it out there. I know I know people love to get original artwork and unique artwork, and this is certainly that. Um so check it out. Check out my comedy dates, my artwork, and all kinds of other stuff at the uh, harlanwilliams.com merchandise store. T-shirts and CDs and digital downloads, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, so here we are at episode 985. So that means we only have 14 to go, ladies and gentlemen. Gurgle blurgans and dargle gargans. Oh, it's starting to feel weird knowing that that the podcast is coming to a close. 14 more original episodes. For now, who knows, maybe, like I said, down the road. I don't want to promise anything, but every now and then I might throw one out there if I have time. But uh, the podcast as we've known it for the last, what, 8, 9, 10 years, whatever it's been, will cease to exist in its regular format. Uh, but if you leave this channel activated, if you leave this uh, line open, you will certainly hear of any of my new ventures as I will make announcements and periodic stop-bys on the Harland Highway channel. And if, if I end up getting rid of the channel completely and starting something new, I'll certainly let you know on this platform before I uh, dismantle anything and put anything new up. Oh, so, so strange to be even talking about it, but uh, we must move on. We must, we must uh, aim for new horizons, Lurtle gurgles and schlur, just like Buzz Aldrin did. By the way, I should mention real quickly, I met Buzz Aldrin once, for real. Um, it, was, uh, it was amazing. I was on a flight coming back from somewhere. I can't remember where, but we landed in LAX. And Buzz Aldrin was sitting uh, just a few seats over from me. And when we stopped the plane and got out, I shook his hand and said hello. And in the back of my head, I went, man, I shook the hand of the second man that's been on the moon. So in an indirect way, a very indirect way, I've made contact 
with the moon, uh, just as anyone else who's shaken Buzz Aldrin's hand has. But isn't that isn't that kind of weird and interesting to to have shaken the hand of the man, one of the only two, well, not the only two, but the first two men that ever set foot on a distant land. Kind of cool, right? And we'll leave it right there for you to ponder. Uh, thank you for being here, everybody. Uh, don't forget, you can write me uh, some very final emails if you want at harlandwilliams.com. Or if you want to leave a final voicemail for me, I don't know if we'll get to play it. I will try, but uh, 323-739-4330 is the number. And... Uh, Love having you here, gang, for the last the last home stretch, the last last few miles of the Harland Highway before we hit that exit ramp. Um, we'll try and have a lot of fun with these uh, final final shows. So, thank you so much. That's it for now. Go eat your space sticks, and until next time, chicken chow mein, baby. The nightmare space crabs crawling all over his flesh, eating his, uh, eating meat on his pubic hair.